0: Nikki Haley is set to resign. Hillary Clinton tells liberals to put civility on hold. The women's march sinks to a new low, and Taylor Swift gets political. Plus, Melania Trump expresses problematic views about Me Too. Welcome to Problematic Women, a show that showcases strong conservative women and events and hypocrisy of the feminist left. My name is Bree Payton. I'm a staff writer over at The Federalist in front of The
1: Daily Signal. And I'm Kelsey Harkness, a senior news producer at The Daily Signal and friend of The Federalist. Kicking it off today with Hillary Clinton, who is telling Democrats to put civility on hold until they gain back control of both the House and the Senate. Fair warning, that's going to take quite some time. The House is certainly uh, up for debate what's going to happen in the midterm elections, but the Senate looks pretty safely Republican. If you didn't hear it, here is what Hillary Clinton said. You cannot be civil with a political party that wants to destroy what you stand for,
0: what you care about. That's why I believe if we are fortunate enough to win back the House and or the Senate— That's when civility can start again. But until then, the only thing that the Republicans seem to recognize and respect is strength. And you heard how the Republican members, led by Mitch McConnell, the president, really demeaned the confirmation process, uh, insulted uh, and attacked not only uh, Dr. Ford, but women who were speaking out,
1: So I want to start out with a fact check since the left loves their fact checks. It is actually quite possible to be civil while you don't have control of either the House or or the Senate. Republicans have done it in the past. Democrats have done it in the past. Seems the only thing that has changed is Democrats. Bray, what did you think?
0: This is honestly just bizarro to me. I I don't understand. And I mean, as you pointed out earlier, if we really are going to wait until the Democrats can gain control of the House and the Senate, we're going to be here a while. It's going to be years and years, potentially, uh, it looks like, you know, just according to polling. So is she really saying that, oh, Democrats need to wait for like five or 10 years uh, in order to be civil to individuals around them? I don't know. This seems just another level of
1: crazy to me. We know that a number of Republicans are raising concerns about the temperature of the rhetoric that we're hearing from the left. Um, Rand Paul is one person and also uh, Steve Scalise. Both of them have faced physical violence Um, It appears, at least in part, because of their political leanings. I think they have a very legitimate voice. I think um, it's hard to tell. uh, It's hard to say if, you know, if someone goes too far and commits another act of violence against Republicans, are Democrats going to be responsible at all? Uh, given the rhetoric that we've been hearing really just these past two weeks when it's really been ramped up?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I honestly kind of struggle when thinking about this and talking about it because, you know, I mean, I'm kind of a free speech absolutist, right? Like I think that individuals who say things um, are responsible for what they say and individual that do things are responsible for what they do, right? So I've seen a little bit of a shift in rhetoric from conservatives and I think it's a little bit heading um, in a direction that I think is unhelpful to say that, you know, Hillary Clinton is responsible for the Democrats that decide to storm the Supreme Court steps and bang on the door and things like that because she isn't. Right. Ultimately, she's responsible for what she says and those individuals are responsible for what they do. But I think that it's fair to take a step back and say that, you know, the rhetoric that we're seeing is not really coming from the right. It's coming from the left almost exclusively. And I, and I could be wrong. I could have just, you know, have missed this. If I am missing it, you know, if listeners want to fact check me, please, you know, reach out and let me know. But I haven't really seen rhetoric like this coming from conservatives or coming from the right at all, really. And I don't think we really have seen violence to this level, um, this recently coming from the right, the way that we are seeing it from the left, right? I think it is alarming to see Maxine Waters say, get in their faces, storm them at restaurants, Cory Booker saying things like that. Um, Hillary Clinton saying things like that. And Eric Holder saying things like that, which we get into in another, in a second here. Well,
1: let's play that clip now since we're talking about it. Here is former Obama Attorney General Eric Holder basically endorsing Hillary Clinton's strategy of being uncivil. Michelle always says, Michelle Obama, I love her, you know, she and my wife, like, really tight,
0: um, which always scares me and Barack. Um,
1: But Michelle always says that, you know, when they go low, we go high. No, no. When they go low, we kick them. What's interesting about this is, you know, he's saying... He loves Michelle Obama. He's a little scared because she's so close with his wife. Well, maybe he should be scared because Michelle Obama this morning um, pushed back on Eric Holder's interpretation of her, her famous campaign slogan, saying that the saying, when when they go low, we go high, absolutely still stands. So I have to say, good for Michelle Obama for finally doing the right thing. I think it's really a sad week when when... We have to say that, given how low Hillary Clinton, Eric Holder, and some of these other uh, members of Congress that you've mentioned have gone.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yes, and and again, I think it's alarming to see all of these leaders. Call for all of these things. Call for violence. Call for, or I shouldn't say violence. Call for incivility. Call for, you know, people to kick one another, people to get in one another's faces, things like that. And then to see violent behavior coming from individuals that look up to these same people. Right. I I think that they need to be careful in what they're saying. And I think that it's fine for us to call them out and say, stop talking like this. This is wrong of you to do.
1: Just last week on this show, we talked about the pro-life advocate who actually did get kicked for her political views. And so I do think that this is a conversation that is going to continue a debate that we're going to continue to have about if that happens again, is Eric Holder, um, someone like this, responsible at all for actually incur- being being a leader among Democrats and encouraging this type of behavior? Yeah. So to be determined, uh, we'll pick it back up in another episode, I'm sure. Yeah. And I
0: think we should call on them to be leaders and lead and do what they should be doing and encouraging civil and good behavior. Anyway, in an Instagram post on Sunday, Taylor Swift finally weighed in on something political. She slammed Tennessee Republican senatorial candidate Marsha Blackburn, writing her voting record in Congress appalls and terrifies me. Kelsey, tell us a little bit more.
1: Yeah, so on Instagram, uh, I want to read you a little bit more about what she said, uh, and then we'll talk about our reactions because... Both Brie and I are huge Taylor Swift fans. I have to say, I wasn't surprised by this. We kind of always knew Taylor was leaning towards the right. She identified as a feminist. That said, you don't have to be a Democrat to identify as a feminist. Um, But I was expecting it to come sooner rather than later. I just was kind of surprised that, you know, it felt like a really random time and sort of a low stakes time for her to weigh in. Anyways, Uh, Here's a bit more of what she said. I believe in the fight for LGBTQ rights and that any form of discrimination based on sexual orientation or gender is wrong, all caps. I believe that the systematic racism we still see in this country towards people of color is terrifying, sickening, and prevalent. I cannot vote for someone who will not be willing to fight for dignity for all Americans, no matter their skin color, gender, or who they love. So she goes on. Uh, but I think, you know, two of the big narratives here are that she seems to disagree with uh, Marsha Blackburn, who is in the House right now, um, with her with, with her Marsha Blackburn's take on these anti-discrimination policies. A lot of people listening have heard of these anti-discrimination policies in terms of the bakers, the flowers, the the photographers. Um, and, and, and these this is really sort of a. Debate. I don't. I don't know if I want to go as far as to call it a war, but between religious liberty and "quote unquote" LGBTQ rights, um, where you know people uh, people who are defending religious freedom believe that private businesses should not be forced to um, to bake certain uh, cakes, create flower arrangements for. Events that they disagree with uh, make a cake for a same sex wedding that uh, deeply goes against their religious beliefs. So my big problem um, with with that angle of what Taylor Swift said is I think she she misrepresented uh, the the conservative perspective when it comes to these sorts of policies and. Um, I, and and I guess what rubbed me the wrong way is that in this post, she calls on people to educate themselves before they vote. And I'm sort of like, why don't you educate yourself? So, you know, you're, you're entitled to believe whatever you want to believe, but you don't need to misrepresent other people's beliefs in the process.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think her perspective on this is very... Unnuanced, nuanced and if you kind of read the language it sounds like what glad says a lot right like this reads almost like a glad statement so it kind of makes you wonder you know who really wrote this right was it really her just coming up with this or did she coordinate with other other individuals um, i think that that's an interesting question that needs to be answered and totally you know agree with you that she is 100% misrepresenting the religious freedom side and the other side of a lot of this. Um, And I think that that's disappointing. And I think that that's sad. Um, And, you know, I mean, I was able to meet Jack Phillips and some of the other individuals that are kind of on the forefront of this fight. And they're like the most humble, sweet people that you've ever met in their life, right? And have made a point to say that they will 100% accommodate for whatever customer walks in their door, but it's just, they don't want to be forced to be commissioned to do certain things, sending certain messages that they disagree with. And I think that their First Amendment rights need to 100% be protected. And I think that Swift should maybe personalize that and take it in her own context. Would she like to be forced to sing at a Trump rally? I don't think so.
1: (laughs) Good question. Very good question. You know, that's such a good question that um, it would be nice if we could ask Taylor Swift how she would feel about doing that. But you know what? we can't because she disabled comments on her instagram in her defense she she disabled them long before she decided to wade into politics but my opinion is that if you're going to get involved in these issues in our political debate, and and you're going to tell other people how to think and believe, they should be able to talk to you back. It should be a two-sided conversation, not my way or the highway, and I'm not listening to you. I think um, Taylor Swift sets such a good example for young girls and women in so many ways, but engaging in politics, then refusing to hear any uh, constructive feedback on your opinions, I think uh, does the opposite.
0: Yeah, 100%.
1: All right. Well, moving on to another disappointing example of feminism. <laughs> Organizers for the Women's March got pretty nasty in wake of the Brett Kavanaugh confirmation process. So we know Senator Susan's, Susan Collins was basically the deciding vote on Kavanaugh's confirmation. And because of this, the Women's March went after her, calling her a rape apologist. They didn't just call her this, to be honest. They they produced graphics with a picture of Senator Collins' face with massive rape apologists written all over it. Really rubbed me the the wrong way. And I got into a debate uh, about this uh, on a hit I was doing on Fox Business where um, you know these former female Obama officials were saying, Senator Susan Collins isn't any sort of feminist, so she can't call herself that. I don't understand how anybody can call themselves a feminist who smears another woman as a rape apologist. Senator Collins put up a very good defense uh, a very sincere defense, I think, for uh, why she decided to vote for Brett Kavanaugh. And I'm I'm just, I guess, shocked to see so many people defend the women's march in this sense. Yeah,
0: 100 percent. And I mean, listen to why they're calling her that, They why they're saying that she's not a feminist. It's because she had a different opinion than they did about a Supreme Court justice. Right. I mean, that's insane. You you can't even you're not even allowed to have an opinion that's different about the nomination of a Supreme Court justice without losing your feminist card. Right. That's going to be revoked from you if you don't think exactly the way that we think and the way that we want you to. And I mean, that's the reason why I often struggle with the term feminist and whether or not I call myself that, because, you know, it's associated with a lot of things on the left. And if you don't toe the line politically with the left and with all of these other things, then you know, you're know you gonna get left out in the cold and you're gonna be condemned by them.
1: Fun fact, only one fifth of Americans identify as feminists and I'm with you, I absolutely struggle in whether or not I identify as one, whether or not I want to call myself one. I ultimately thus far in my career and personal life has have decided to embrace the term. And a little part of that is because I think it's triggering to women on the left, <laughs> who get really frustrated and angry by women like us who do stand for women's empowerment and want to support other women, um, and we'll call ourselves that, but reject uh, the their radicalization of the term. Yeah, so that's 100%. that's where I am. We'll see if I change my mind at some point. How we don't know how far how how much farther off the deep end they can go. But I won't put it past them. We'll see. We'll see. So U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Nikki Haley
0: submitted her letter of resignation to President Trump. Here's what she had to say. I think that it's just very important for government officials to understand when it's time to step aside. So I think that this has all been... Very interesting. Um, Anyway, she said that she will not seek to challenge Trump in the 2020 presidential election, which is what a lot of people thought that maybe she was doing by stepping down. Um, And she said, in fact, she will likely be campaigning for him on the trail. Trump says that Dina Powell, a former White House staffer, is a likely frontrunner to replace her, although there's a few other names in the mix. So I actually think that this is kind of a smart move for Haley to do this um, at this time. I mean, she got to leave on her own terms. And she got President Trump to say really good things about her. I mean, I I don't even think I have enough fingers and toes to count the number of senior officials in the administration who have left, you know, with Trump almost kind of kicking them out the door. Right. So I think that this was really cool that she got to leave on her terms um, and do exactly what she wanted and
1: have Trump still say, you know, sing her high praises. Well, she's not leaving until the end of the year. Um, I'm obviously very uh, sad to see her leave. I think she set such an example, not just um, on the international international stage for this country, also just being a strong uh, female who's willing to stand up to the most brutal regimes in the world. Um, I think she did an amazing job. I think she'll continue to do amazing job through the end of the year. Uh, and I would agree with you. It's as, as much as as sad as I am to see her go. It's it's definitely a smart move. Um, I think you know there are a lot of considerations about whether or not she might run for president one day. And it was funny to see the mainstream media's reactions. I know the Washington Post published an entire story speculating. Um, on why she was leaving, because she couldn't possibly just be leaving because um, she needs a break. And, and as she said, uh, it's important for government officials to know when to step aside. Um, Nikki Haley has served in public office for, I believe, 14 years in very high power jobs with a lot of responsibilities. She did this all the while raising a family. And that's got to be tough. Uh, she might just need a break. If she has dreams of running for higher office one day, she honestly might just need a break. I think I think it's awesome, um, but I, I will miss her.
0: <laughs> yes, 100%. And I enjoyed watching her put the UN in its place. Anyway, we will be right back with more right after this.
1: And we're back. It is that time to crown our problematic woman of the week. So this week, Brie, the honors are going to First Lady <laughs> Melania Trump. So Melania has been in Africa, uh, you know, quietly avoiding some of the Brett Kavanaugh drama here in the United States. But it seems like she might have stirred up some controversy of her own Here's a clip from an ABC interview that I believe is airing in full this weekend. Uh, I support the women and they need to be heard. We need to support them. And, you know, also men, not just women.
0: Do you think men in the, in the news that have been accused of, of sexual assault, and sexual harassment have been treated unfairly?
1: You need to have a really hard evidence that, you know, that if you accuse of something, show the evidence.
0: I think that she's right. I think that she's 100 percent correct there when she says that, you know, that we need to it's important to believe women when they say that they have been sexually assaulted because women rarely make things like that up. You know, usually there's something believe to what they're give saying. believe is the benefit
1: of the doubt and hear them out. Absolutely.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, but I think that, you know, when there is evidence that conflicts with their story then you should ask questions, right? And with what happened with Christine Ford, there were huge gaps in her testimonies and major inconsistencies about very, very basic facts and information. Uh, and I wrote a piece over at the Federalist a couple of weeks ago talking about the pro- the prosecutor who interviewed Christine Ford before the Senate. She, you know, wrote this four-page long report just detailing all of the inconsistencies in her story. Right, the number of individuals at the party kept changing. Um, where this incident allegedly took place, people that she said were there and could corroborate her story said, you know, I, I never even met. Brett and I never went to a party like this. I, I believe her, but I don't even know what she's talking about. Um, those are all red flags to take into consideration. And I think that, you know, it's wrong to just condemn and decide, okay, we're going to, you know, completely write this person off or even send them to prison or things like that based off of a really, really flawed story um, from a woman
1: alleging these things. I love that Melania Trump isn't scared to say things that she knows are going to upset a lot of people in the mainstream media. Uh, Brie, you and I were watching a clip from The View this morning, and the ladies of The View discussing this, and they had some very strong feelings. Um, they, they seem to think that because... Uh, Melania Trump's husband, Donald Trump, has faced some accusations of his own. Uh, She might be more inclined uh, to, you know, take the side of you actually need evidence and you know, they were writing her opinion off because of that. But in a way, I almost think that gives her more credibility because she's actually been faced with these situations. And, you know, unfortunately, that's that's a very private thing to think about. But when seeing the accusations being brought against her husband, she has to look at the evidence to decide for herself whether or not um, she should really stand, stand by him. Yeah, 100%. And I also
0: think that... This is very, very unwoke of them to do too, right? To kind of say that her husband's actions disqualify her from being able to have this opinion, right? Oh, because her husband is being accused of these things. Therefore, her opinion is colored in this way, right? Which is something pretty anti feminist uh, in that sense, right? I think she's able to have her own opinion and come to her own conclusions separate from her husband.
1: My two new favorite words of the week are now unwoke. And mobby. I'm sure a lot of you saw that clip with uh, Mary Catherine Ham on CNN with uh, CNN uh- you know, refusing to call these mobs what they are. Um, (laughs) Kelsey, we're not going to use the M word on this show. (laughs) Yeah, and and Mary Catherine Hamm responded, "Eh, they they were pretty mobby. (laughs) So mobby and unwoke. Great words of the week. Uh, Along with our problematic woman of the week, Melania Trump. I'm looking forward to seeing that whole interview. I'm sure there will be more to talk about, but we're going to wrap our show there. Thank you all for tuning in. And of course, if you know a problematic woman, please let us know. You can follow my work at The Daily Signal and on Twitter at Kelsey J Harkness. You can follow me over at the Federalist
0: and on uh, Instagram BC Payton, and you can follow me on Twitter at Brie underscore. Oh, you, yeah. Your Instagram you, too. you
1: can follow me on at Capital Yoga Girl. And I just got my wedding pictures back. So I will be posting some of those soon. Very excited. Yay. <laughs> All right. This podcast is a collaboration of The Daily Signal and
0: The Federalist. And today was produced by Michael Gooden of The Daily Signal, who's our number one guy always. <laughs> and if you like this podcast, please support us by rating and subscribing on iTunes. That really helps us out or on SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate you sharing problematic women with your friends and for supporting strong conservative women who are standing up
1: for America's culture. Have a good one.